What's up, all you crazies? My name is Carly Jones, and this is Makeup and Murder. Hey, guys. We are finally here with the first episode of Makeup and Murder, and I am super excited for you guys to listen in each week on my beauty products as well as the murder mystery cases. Now, I want to start off with the most wonderful product that I have been using for the past couple weeks now. It is called Too Faced Born This Way Super Coverage Multi-Use Concealer. It's a mouthful, but let me tell you, a lot of people use it as concealer. I personally use it as foundation. I have been using it for a good, probably about two or three weeks now, and it is the it is the best thing. I probably will use this for a very long time, and it will always be in my makeup collection. If you haven't heard of it or you haven't tried it, get your hands on it. You can get it from Sephora. Um, you can get it from Ulta. If they do sell Too Faced, you can get it from them. Um, but yeah, it is so amazing. And I will post some pictures in Instagram and Facebook um, showing you the product, what it looks like, and yeah, show you what it looks like on my face. But now that we've got the makeup part out of the way, let's get into the case. As you can tell by the title of this episode, The Fort Hood Four, we are going to discuss the multiple bodies that have been found near Fort Hood, Texas Army Post. Now, a lot of you have probably heard about this um, and are possibly following the cases yourselves, but I feel like there's a lot of twists and turns and there's multiple bodies that we have not discussed or that is not in the media as they should have. Um, so I wanted to start this off with these cases. So let's get into it. The first body that was found was Brandon Scott Rosecrans. So as I did my research, it states that the morning of May 18th, 2020, at 1016 a.m., a 911 call came into the Harker Heights Police Department about a body being on the side of the road near Fuller Lane and Oak Ridge Boulevard, Harker Heights, Bell um, County, Texas. Now, I will post uh, photos and maps and everything so you guys can kind of cross-reference once you listen to the episode and you can do your research and go in and look and see um, where the bodies were found and all that good stuff. Um, but let's get back into it. So the body was identified as Brandon Rosecrans, a member of the United States military and assigned to 215 Combat Support Company at Fort Hood. At 10.29 a.m. on May 18, 2020, Harker Heights police officers were dispatched to a structure fire call at the location of Evergreen Estates near the 1500 block of FM 2414, um, excuse me, 2410 and Cedar Knob Road, Harker Heights, Bell County, Texas. The structure fire turned out to be a vehicle on fire, a 2016 Jeep Renegade. The place where the Jeep Renegade was found was located at the top of a hill by a water tower emblazed with the city name Harker Heights. The Jeep Renegade was determined to be registered to Brandon Rosecrans and Ronnie Doss. This vehicle fire was approximately three miles away from where Rosecrans' body was found. Video also found and reviewed by detectives shows the Jeep Renegade entering the neighborhood where Rosecrans' body was discovered near Fuller Lane and Oak Ridge Boulevard at approximately 7.16 a.m. May 18, 2020 and actually leaving the neighborhood at approximately 7.22 a.m. that same morning. Video recordings also show the Jeep Renegade being driven into Evergreen Estates neighborhood and up the hill at Fraser Fir and Jubilation Drive at approximately 10.17 a.m. the same morning. At the base of one side of the hill, 
and on part of the slope is a neighborhood consisting of family homes. The land that does not currently have family homes is wooded or being cleared for construction. A small creek borders one side of the bottom of the hill. There are no roads or cleared hiking trails leading down the hill other than Jubilation Drive to Fraser. The Jeep Renegade was found to be off the road in a wooded area at the end of the north cul-de-sac of Jubilation Drive. When Harker hates police and Harker Heights Fire Department arrived on the scene. The vehicle was completely engulfed in flames. The land on which the Jeep Renegade was set on fire was in the care, custody, and control of a civilian named Chad McLean and located within the incorporated city of Harker Heights, Texas. When the fire was extinguished by Harker Heights Fire Department, personnel and a search of what remained of the vehicle was conducted. They found Burned inside the vehicle were items detectives believed to belong to Rosecrans, such as clothes, shoes, and audio equipment. Detectives actually um, spoken with the acquaintances of Rosecrans who told them about some of the audio equipment he had in his Jeep Renegade. The Harker Heights Fire Marshal found what he believed to be a gunshot hole in the back passenger side of the Jeep Renegade. It was also observed that the front passenger seat was reclined almost all the way. It was determined by the Dallas County Medical Examiner the manner of Rosecrans' death was homicidal violence. The autopsy performed on Rosecrans' body showed him to have died as a result of a gunshot wound. The DCME found four gunshot entrance wounds to Rosecrans' head and neck with one gunshot exit wound was found surrounding three of the four gunshot entrance wounds, leading detectives to believe the gunshots were made in close proximity. The general direction of the gun gunshot wounds were determined to be left to right, front to back, and upward. The search warrant was obtained for the cellular information from Rosecrans' cell phone, which I love this information because I feel like it's it's super amazing how they come up with all of this stuff and they find it and do their research and everything. Um, but a review of the cellular information showed Rosecrans in communication with Brandon Michael Oliveras the night of May 17th, 2020 and the morning of May 18th, 2020. So a little backstory on Brandon Michael Oliveras. So he is actually in police custody right now for the murder of Brandon Scott Rosecrans, and I will go into a little bit more information as well. Um, upon talking with acquaintances of Rosecrans, detectives learned Oliveras and Rosecrans were together the night of May 17, 2020, and the morning of May 18, 2020, and had possibly traveled together. A search warrant was obtained for Oliveras' cellular information as well. Cross-referencing the cellular, cellular GPS data from Oliveras and Rosecrans' cell phone, it shows them in the same location on the same morning of May 18th, 2020. At 7.09 a.m. and 7.10 a.m. for Rosecrans and Oliveras, cell phones, respectively a cellular ping, shows both cell phones traveling through Youngsport, Bell County, Texas, which is on the southern border of Harker Heights, Bell County, Texas, which again, I will put the maps and everything on social media so you guys can cross-reference it. Um, but at 7.19 a.m. and 7.22 a.m. May 18, 2020, cellular pings show Oliveira's cell phone in the approximate location of where Rosecrans body was found. At approximately 10.28 a.m., a man living in the neighborhood of Evergreen Estates called 911 in regards to a possible fire. He told authorities he heard a boom and then saw smoke coming from the top of the hill by the water tower. The caller advised officers he saw what looked like two people in the woods coming down the hill at the top of which was the Jeep Renegade. 
The witness called out to the people he saw on the trees, and they changed direction and did not exit the wooded area where the witness could see. At 10.31 a.m., a cellular ping shows Oliveira's cell phone in the approximate location of where Rosecrans' Jeep was found. Now, if you watch CSI or any type of law and order or anything like that, you know that they really go off these pings, and a lot of the times they are accurate. Um, But moving on, so at 10.51 a.m., Video footage was found showing Oliveras walking along Granite Trail at 10.51 a.m. after a canvas of homes for surveillance cameras in the neighborhood at the bottom of the hill. Granite Trail is a residential street at the bottom of the hill in Evergreen's estate. The direction of travel of Oliveras in the videos was north. Multiple videos were found. The video that first shows Oliveras on Granite Trail is the southernmost house on that street closest to the wooded area, spanning the top of the bottom of the hill. The area which Oliveras was walking is the bottom part of the wooded area where the Jeep Renegade was found on fire. Video was found that shows Oliveras walking along Granite Trail until he reaches Knight's Way, which intersects Granite Trail. And this is where it starts getting a little crazy to me. So at 11.02 a.m., Oliveras stops and speaks with a female passerby who told officers it seemed as if the man she spoke with was in a hurry. Now, why on earth, if you just committed a crime, you just killed somebody, why are you, start, why are you stopping to talk to somebody? You know you're going to get caught. You know they're going to tell the police. I don't know. That's just me. But anyway, back to it. Video of this intersection was shown to acquaintances and a family member of Oliveras who identified him as the man in the video. When speaking with detectives, acquaintances of Oliveras noted he usually carries a gun tucked into the waistband of his bottom garments. Oliveras does not live in or around the neighborhood of Evergreen Estates where the Jeep Renegade was found, nor in the neighborhood where Rosecrans' body was found. Now, that just shows up a red flag right there. You don't live anywhere near it. You don't live in there, buy it, whatever. Why are you in there? I mean, that, I don't know, guys. That's just me. But in the investigation by the Harker Heights Fire Investigator was started at the scene of the vehicle fire. Investigation into what started the vehicle fire was begun and further lab results are pending. It is believed that a competent ignition source in the form of an open flame heat source or hot surface was used causing combustible items to ignite to start the vehicle fire. The fire investigator believes that the fire was not a result of an electrical or mechanical accident due to his investigation and experience. When the vehicle was removed from the area, charred earth surrounding the placement of Jeep Renegade remained. So on the morning of June 4th, 2020, Oliveras was found at his residence at 1608 Alamo Avenue in Kylene Bell County and arrested on an active warrant issued for parole violations by the U.S. Marshals Fugitive Task Force. Harker Heights detectives were also present. Multiple search warrants were obtained for a search of Oliveira's residence. Now, a little tidbit of information. So, like I said in the beginning, he is now a suspect, um, actually the suspect, of killing Brandon um, Rosecrans, but he was also in jail for obtaining a firearm by an affected or I can't even talk y'all I'm so excited about this (laughs) by a convicted felon now I will go into this a little bit more but it's I just don't understand people it's so crazy um but during the search of Oliveira's residence a fire pit was found in the backyard that contained burned items and these items was found to be a burned jeep key the keys to the jeep renegade owned by Rosecrans were not found on his body or in or around the burned vehicle now 
I will get to this a little bit more too, but he starts to blame. I don't know if it's a friend or an acquaintance or whatnot, but he starts to blame someone else. And his name is Jay Smith and I'll get into it more, but he starts to blame him saying that it was his fault for killing Brandon Rosecrans. But then after arresting him and they searched the fire pit in the back, they found the keys. I mean, why would you burn the keys in the backyard of your own house? Come on now. Warning, it's getting a little bit more cray. Are you ready? So an interview of Oliveira's was conducted later that same day. In the interview, Oliveira's told a criminal investigations division detectives that he, Oliveira's, was with Rosecrans and Oliveira's girlfriend, um, she goes by Star, Star Falcon, um, and Jay Smith, which, again, is where that Jay Smith name comes from. And they were driving back from San Antonio on the morning of May 18, 2020. When they returned to Harker Heights area, Oliveira's remained on the north side of Harker Heights near Interstate 14. The story did not match up with a review of the cellular GPS data. Oliveira's told the detective that he dropped off Rosecrans and Smith at a house. Then Oliveira's said he left with Falcon. They went to a Walmart parking lot and did not see Rosecrans again. Oliveira's then admitted to lying. Of course he did. Of course. Lying to the detectives about what he had just told him. Oliveira's asked to start over and then told the detective he was with Rosecrans the night of May 17, 2020 and the morning of May 18, 2020. Now, dude, we already know this because... Little did you know, they already searched your cell phone records. But anyway, um, so Oliveri said he, Rosecrans, Falcon, which is the girlfriend, and Smith, the friend, drove to San Antonio for Rosecrans to purchase illegal narcotics. Now, I can't confirm nor deny this is just what's in the affidavit. Um, but the morning of May 18, 2020, the four were returning to Bell County after purchasing the illegal narcotics. And the route Oliveira's explained they drove matches the cellular pings of Oliveira's and Rosecrans phone GPS data reviewed by detectives. Oliveira said Rosecrans had the illegal narcotics when they were driving back. No illegal narcotics were found on or with Rosecrans' body, nor was Rosecrans' wallet ever recovered. At different points, Oliveras told the detective Rosecrans was driving the Jeep Renegade. And then at other points, Oliveras said he was driving the Jeep Renegade. So again, he's lying. You don't know if he's telling the truth. You just, you just don't know. But he did tell the detective he, Rosecrans, Falcon, and Smith went into the neighborhood of Evergreen Estates and went up to the top of the hill. Oliveras said he and Falcon left Rosecrans and the Jeep Renegade with Smith at the top of the hill. Oliveras said he and Falcon walked down the hill through the woods, leaving Rosecrans alive. Oliveras told the detective that last time he saw Rosecrans alive was at the top of the hill of Evergreen Estates. Two interviews of Oliveras were conducted. In every interview, Oliveras told detectives that Falcon, which is his girlfriend, had nothing to do with the murder. When confronted with a photo of Oliveras holding a handgun, Oliveras told detectives that it was the weapon with which Rosecrans was shot and he had been in possession of the handgun on May 17, 2020 but was no longer in possession of it now because he had sold it to Smith that night, which is the friend. Oliveras told detectives the weapon was a 9mm Ruger. A review of messages from Oliveras showed Oliveras in talks to trade the handgun to a third party, which was not Smith. He then told detectives that Smith had killed Rosecrans in the Jeep while Oliveras was driving. Oliveras said he was in the driver's seat. Rosecrans was in the passenger seat. Falcon was in the rear driver's side seat. And Smith was in the rear passenger side seat. He said Rosecrans was reclined in the seat 
when the Jeep Renegade was found, the front passenger seat was reclined, which I, I mentioned earlier, um, also um, reclined all the way back. Oliveras told Detective Smith had slid the middle section of the rear seat, leaned forward, and stood hunching over the middle console to shoot raised crayons. But... After a review of the burned Jeep Renegade and a new Jeep Renegade, detectives believe the rear seat was too small for the shooting to have occurred in the way of Oliveira's described Smith to have shot him. A review of the gunshot wound pass also showed that if Rosecrans was reclined in the seat, as Oliveira's told detectives, the trajectory of the entry wound and bullet hole in the rear door would not match the downward angle as Oliveira's showed in his interview. Detectives also believe that there would not be enough room for two adults in the rear seat if the front passenger seat was reclined, as the leg room and an available room on the seats would be too small. He then told detectives that Smith has been using his phone the entire night to and from San Antonio. A search warrant was conducted for two cell phone numbers associated with Smith. A return of those GPS shows that Smith's, Smith's cell phone was actually in Kylie the night of May 17, 2020, and the morning of May 18th. The GPS record from incoming and outgoing data also showed that neither of the two cell phones identified as belonging to Smith traveled to or from San Antonio May 17th or May 18th. So, again, he's trying to blame someone else for this. It's, it's insane. But on the 4th of August, detectives interviewed Jay Smith and the Smith's girlfriend, of course. Her name is Jennifer Dow at Harker Heights Police Department. Smith told officers he did not travel to San Antonio with crayons and Oliveras. Smith told detectives he was in Kylene the morning of the murder. The girlfriend also told officers that Smith had not been away from their residence over the night or in the past few months, and Smith had not traveled overnight in the past few months to include May. Dow told detectives that Oliveras and Falcon had come to the residence she shares with Smith told Oliver um, and the officers, and Falcon as well, seemed paranoid and nervous while she was at Dow's residence. Oliveras told Dow that he had just killed a man, and the man he killed, Rosecrans, was being too greedy. Oliveras told Dow that he had shot Rosecrans because Rosecrans had tried to rape Falcon, which, again, is in the affidavit. I can't confirm or deny, um, but she later spoke with Falcon, who told her that Rosecrans hadn't tried to rape her, and actually Oliveras was discussing the sale of guns and a possible lick or a robbery. Falcon told Dowell, excuse me, Dow, that Oliveras wanted more than Rosecrans was wanting to give. Falcon told Dow that Oliveras was scared to shoot Rosecrans, and Falcon had called Oliveras a punk, so she initiated it. She's just as guilty or being scared. Falcon told Dow that Oliveras wanted to shoot the man until he fell asleep since he was scared to shoot Rosecrans. Falcon told Dow that Oliveras wanted to show out and make a statement. So now I'm going to get into um, the cellular pings, kind of give you um, a rough estimate and go through that morning. Um, so the timeline, 7.09 a.m., the ping of Rosecrans' phone in Youngsport, Bell County, Texas. Then you go to 7.10 Oliveira's phone and Youngsport Bounty, Texas. So that matches both of them. Um, and I will actually send the link or post the link to the website so you can kind of go over the affidavit yourself. But all this is just so crazy to me. And it, just all this is going on at Fort Hood. I mean, there's so many bodies. It's like, it, it's just what can you do? Um, but like I said, as of right now, he is in custody for killing Rosecrans. They're still investigating the Jeep and little things like that. Um, but they did 
um, say that he was murdered by a gunshot wound, what's the um, medical examiner did say, but it's just so crazy to me, you guys. And if this was my, my brother, my husband, my, you know, whatever the case may be, I would be livid as sure as, you know, everyone else would be. Now on to the second one that was found. Um, it is 24 year old private, um, I believe PV2, Gregory Waddell Morales. Now this one, you guys really, really, really pisses me off and excuse my language, but it really, really does. There's just so many things that were done wrong. There were so many things that were actually not even done at all. And again, I will say if this was my husband, a brother, a, even a friend, I would be so pissed off how the army handled this situation and is still handling this situation. There's just so many things that I have found out that I didn't even know even happened. It's just, it blows my mind, but let's go ahead and get into it. While looking for Vanessa Guillen, which is the third name body of Fort Hood, I will talk about later in the episode. On June 19th, 2020, acting on a tip, Army criminal investigators and local authorities in Kyleen, Texas, located skeletal remains in a field on Florence Road that they thought was Miss Guillen. But get this, it turns out that two days later, the remains were identified through dental records to be private 24-year-old Gregory Morales that was also stationed at Fort Hood Army Post. And Gregory was last seen outside of Fort Hood on August 19th, 2020. You guys, almost a year, well, pretty much a year now. He was last seen driving a 2018 Kia Rio with temporary Texas license plate um, and mother stated that he had just purchased that car, actually. According to an article that was released, it seems his mother had a conversation with him the day he disappeared. He had sent a text message asking for gas money, and she teased him, saying, quote, how could you afford a new car but not the gas to put in it, unquote. Well, thanks, mother. I mean, <laughs> that's funny. Um, but weeks went by, and no one had heard or seen Gregory Morales. But the Army was quick to document that Gregory was now listed on the AWOL slash deserter list or absent without leave and later listed as a deserter um, would have been by mid-September. This is where it starts to really irritate me and really piss me off. Anyone who has family members or even a spouse of a soldier knows that this is something you don't do, that it is frowned upon, that it is constantly put into their head not to desert your post, not only that, but you can serve up to five years in prison. Now, if that doesn't make you think, like, what is going on after reading more in this case, I found out that the week after he went missing, he was supposed to start his two weeks of deprocessing, which means he was getting out. Someone who was getting out within two weeks shouldn't go AWOL, does just not go AWOL. It just doesn't make sense. Why would someone go AWOL with two weeks left? Someone who had been in the military for six years know how, I mean, they know how things work and knows how the army operates. Why on earth would the army and CID not go looking for this guy when he didn't show up to work for the, for the upcoming days? I just, it just blows my mind. Why would you just assume this soldier became a deserter? That is where the army screwed up and it, it just, it blows my mind. After Gregory's remains were identified, his family contacted the Army and fought to have active status reinstated so he could be buried with the rights and honors of an Army soldier. If the status was not changed, all funeral costs would be put on his family, and that is not okay. Like I said, this 
this case just really, really gets under my skin. And I am going off topic here, but an actual deserter like Bo Bergdahl can still maintain his military rights as an active duty soldier to this day. So can Gregory Morales. We will save that story for another episode if you're curious, or you can check out the podcast called Serial. They talk about a story and what happened. <laughs> it It's a whirlwind of an episode, um, episodes, I should say, of Bo Bergdahl. And my husband will argue with me about this till the cows come home. It's not the same situation, yada, yada, yada. And for those of you who are listening who don't know, um, I am a military spouse. Um, my husband is in the military. He's been in the military for seven or eight years, I believe now. So when I say this really hits home for me, this really, really hits home for me. And you know, you guys understand that. But um, so Gregory's mother said in an article, quote, he's a soldier, he died a soldier, and he deserves to be treated like one not just thrown away and forgotten, end quote. And I completely agree. If that was my son, I would be finding the ends of the earth to figure out what happened and why they are not searching for him. Now, I believe it was Gregory's cousin, Abigail, um, she started an online petition to protest the injustice of him being a deserter. In a matter of days, it reached 18,000 signatures. Waddell's mother stated she reached out to her casualty officer out of Fort Seal. According to Waddell, she was told they were planning to clear Gregory's name, but then received a call back to clarify that until the autopsy report results came back showing Gregory had been dead for 10 months, which the report later did show, Finally, on July 15, 2020, the Army, Army released information that Gregory Morales would be buried with military honors, but apparently the deserter statement had been removed, which I was very happy about this. But you drug your ass all this time. You didn't search for this soldier, and you have to prove, and I get it, you have to prove that he had been dead for 10 months to reinstate his active duty status. But come on, guys. You screwed up when you didn't search for the dude, and it just it just breaks my heart. Um, though foul play has been suspected, no official statement had been released as to the cause of death, but the family is adamant the based, um, that based on certain things, they have been told that he allegedly was shot in the face since the army never thought Gregory's disappearance was suspicious. And in their eyes, he had deserted. They not once looked for him. And that right there just makes my blood boil. I mean, come on. Why did you not search for your fellow soldier? He was getting out in two weeks. I mean, like I said, your soldiers, just, they just don't disappear. They just don't do that. Especially when you're, you're getting out in two weeks. It just, it just doesn't make sense to me. But as I was digging, like really digging into the story, because like I said, it really got my blood boiling. The family was never told that Gregory's car had been found. Mother stated that Gregory's sister-in-law, um, I believe her name is Destiny, tracked the car down on Carfax, which showed it had been sold during an auction and was in Dallas, for four months since he had last been seen. But CID did not tell them that they found the car. And apparently CID found this car for a good three or four months before they even said anything to the family, which again is screwed up and I don't understand it. According to the Army Times, his clothes was shredded and scattered and remains were lightly burned. His mother had been told Gregory's body was decomposed in the field with dust and debris covering the mains as they sunk over time into the ground. His mother told Post that authorities apparently told her that they believe he may have been shot, um, which I later discussed. But here's another thing that really bothers me about this whole thing, is Gregory's mother apparently told Army Times that he had requested a reward, that she had requested the reward to be offered back in September of 2019 for son's whereabouts, but was not established until one was put out for the disappearance of 
Vanessa Guillen. And of course, she was furious as one should be. Once they put out initial reward, it was listed for 15000 for the Morales case, which was offered on April 30th, 2020, and was later up to 25000 This tip leading to Gregory's body came four days, y'all. Four days after the reward was put up. I agree 100% with the mother. They didn't do a real search, not until they got a lead and thought, oh shit, we might need to take care of this screw up. But and this, again, this is why it just bothers me so much. Like, I understand Vanessa's case and her family was, her family stood right there by her side the whole entire time and demanded justice and they still are and my heart goes out to them. But why did it take you so long or why did it take you, Vanessa's case, to get a push and say, oh, well, there's another one too that's missing. Let's add a reward. You know why? Because the army sat there and thought, oh shit, we fucked up. Here's another one that has died, has been murdered on our watch. Let's act like we give a shit and let's act like we're actually going to do something about it. All right, enough of my rant, y'all. I apologize. But Gregory's younger brother, Nick, told Post, quote, if an M16 goes missing, they shut the entire unit down until they find it, unquote. Yes, I know this firsthand since I am married to an active duty soldier myself, like I said earlier. If something is missing or stolen or whatnot, they will keep them there until it is found. Why wouldn't they do that for a missing person? Of course, the Army believing he went AWOL, they would not go looking for him. But they did not know that and apparently did not care to find out. The autopsy has to prove that Gregory had been dead for 10 months to obtain proper honor and burial as an active duty soldier. Which, like I said, I completely get. And all that has been squashed. They determined that by the autopsy. And he and he is. And he actually has returned home. And all that good stuff. Which, again, I, every single day, you guys, I look up Gregory's name for an update. Um, you know, what the case may be. I just, I keep trying to search for an update and I can't find anything. Nothing has been done as of yet, but it's just, it's so crazy to me. But the army did um, pay to have Gregory's body shipped home to Oklahoma. Um, his mother, Kim, had later learned that her son is believed to have died prior to September 21st, 2019, which is it, which is when he was listed as AWOL. A report dated July 16, 2020 stated on Tuesday, July 15th, Gregory Morales was reinstated as active, du active duty and will be buried with honors. Gregory, Gregory is no longer listed on the Army's list of deserters. It is said that he will be buried at Fort Gibson National Cemetery located approximately an hour east of his hometown and I, I don't know if I'm going to say this right, but Sal Pulpa, Oklahoma. Like I said, I, every day I'm trying to find new evidence, new information on this case. And again, every single day I look, I look it up, something, something surfaces and it draws me right back in. But apparently he spoke to his mom prior and stated she, um, or I'm sorry, quote, she knew he was having um, a little trouble at home, but had no idea what led to his death. He said he was saving up money to get a divorce and that everything would be okay that he needed to work through the issues with her what where in any of this did he have a wife and where is this wife might i add true crime murder mystery case whatever you want to call it rule number one the wife or the husband is always the main suspect it always is there's no way out of it so it's so crazy to me 
Now, all this is going on. Her husband had been missing for almost a year now. It is a year now. And no one's heard of her. No one has heard of her or from her or anything. Um, but apparently, the night of Morales' disappearance, he went to a club and later met up with some friends, according to his mother. But she does not know their names. Law enforcement has closely guarded any information they have had in this case. And it's unclear if those people have been interviewed or if their names are even known to police. Which... It's hard to find out anyway because it's been so long. But, I mean, what? She's married. Y'all, I can't get that out of my head. What is going on? But about his wife. So, I did find out her name is Penny Morales. And according to ABC 13 Eyewitness News, his wife was arrested around the 9th of July for possible animal cruelty charges. Apparently, police were sent to her on post home at around 10 a.m. and was taken into custody shortly after. Now, you know you guys are like me, like, what is going on? He has a wife. Why wouldn't this brought up earlier? Yada, yada, whatever. But another thing I found out was back in November 1st of 2019, Kim, Greg's mom, home was caught fire. Apparently, a new insert um, was put in her fireplace, I believe, and it caught fire once she had returned or turned it on. An article I came across on truecrimesociety.com reported that roughly six weeks after Gregory went missing, his wife Penny was arrested on October 9th, 2019 for criminal trespass. Not sure what that means, but it's just, it's a little sketch, a little suspicious. You know what I mean? Like, it's I don't know. There's there's just something iffy about that. But they do appear to have two kids. I'm not 100% if they are his kids or not, um, but I'll leave that to speculation. I'm not 100% sure. Um, but I always thought it was so strange that we had never heard anything about Gregory being married or having a wife, which I'm sure I can't be the only one thinking this. Why hasn't she come out and said anything? It's just, it's bonkers. Now, this is per speculation at this point, but I was searching their Facebook pages and she had posted a status on her page just telling people that she is tired of people assuming that she had something to do with her husband's murder or could have known someone um, who did it. Long story short, people were going off stating she had reached out to someone asking when she could obtain Gregory's SGLI. Now, Where's my army people at? Y'all know the SGLI or SGLB is the insurance money that the spouse would or spouse or family would receive after a death of a military soldier. What the hell are you thinking? She wants people to stop accusing her, but the longer it goes on and these little tidbits of information come out, she seems more of a potential suspect, which I am sure the police believe that as well. But of course, of keeping information closed, I mean, to the public, they can't really say much. But not only asking how to obtain the SGLI, but moving right back in with her ex-boyfriend. I mean, come on. What? What is it? Oh, and remember when I mentioned about them tracking down her car um, or his car in Dallas, Texas? Well, again, speculation, but one of the comments I was reading stated that the wife has family in, family in Dallas, Texas. I'm just going to leave that right there. I'll end it right there. Like I said, there's just so many twists and turns. The wife now comes up. You never even heard about her until now. Like I said, any true crime person who likes ID, Discovery, Snap, all that stuff, they always have the wife or the husband, the spouse, the main suspect, until proven otherwise. And this, I hate to say it, but is is one of those. And I, I don't know, guys. I feel like more and more is going to come out about this wife. And I don't know. We'll just have to wait and see. Now that that one is out of the way, and like I said, I'm sitting here sweating like my blood is boiling just going over that because of how shitty everything was done. It just, ugh, you guys, you just... It just bothers me, and I'm sure it bothers you, too. Um, so the third body that was found um, starting in January of this year 
Um, actually there was four bodies starting from January. Um, but of course it's Vanessa Guillen. Now we all have heard about her. Um, she apparently was sexually assaulted by a higher rank individual and was murdered in the arms room and the guy stuffed her in a case or a box trunk. And I'm, I'm not sure what they call it and took her to his vehicle, had his girlfriend at the time. Now, let me tell you about this girlfriend. This girlfriend is actually married to someone who is stationed at Fort Hood as well. That's the military for you guys. I just, there's no either, easier way to say that. But anyway, moving on. So they ended up finding her body later on. Um, and the case is still ongoing. They have, um, I think her name is Cicely Aguilar, which is the girlfriend of Robinson. Um, he actually, murdered her. The police were on the way to confront him and he actually committed suicide and killed himself, which to me, if you're going to do that, why even, why even murder somebody? Like that's just not, it's not okay with me. But anyway, that's her story. Um, I'm going to let you research other podcasts on her because they've done a whole episode on her. Um, multiple podcasts have, so that I'll just give you a little rundown on her, but I did want to include her because I mean, it's been four bodies since January of this year. There Actually, there's been more, um, but these are the only ones that's been covered here recently. So I just wanted to go over her case as well. Um, but then the last one, and I feel so terrible about this one. There's not much information on this, so I do apologize. But his name is PVT Major Morda. Um, he's 26 years old. He's from Pensacola, Florida. He actually drowned in a lake. A body was found less than 20 miles from Fort Hood. Um, and again, he's included in the total seven, which happened from January. According to press release from Fort Hood themselves, Morta, a Bradley fighting vehicle mechanic, was found unresponsive on July 17th, 2020, near Stillhouse Hollow Lake shortly after midnight by fishermen who were in a boat near Post, which apparently is a reservoir. Um, it's actually located in Bell County and is operated by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, Fort Worth District. The Black Knight family is truly heartbroken by the tragic loss of Private Major Morta, um, and they sent out a press release. Um, Neil Armstrong, commander of 1st Brigade, 5th Cavalry Regiment, said in the statement, quote, I would like to send my heartfelt condolences to his family and friends and loved ones, unquote. Morta joined the Army in September 2019 as a Bradley Fighting Vehicle Mechanic. It was assigned to the 1st Battalion, 5th Cavalry Regiment, 2nd Armed Brigade Combat Team, 1st Cavalry Division in May 2020, according to Army officials. The body of the 26-year-old soldier from Pensacola, Florida, was discovered just after midnight, July 17th, near the base of Stillhouse Hollow Lake Dam in Bell County by a group of fishermen, like I said earlier. According to preliminary results of the autopsy, it shows the cause of death was pretty consistent with drowning. Um, we are still waiting to hear back more information on that, um, but the Shallow Lake Dam is located less than 20 miles from Fort Hood in an area with, with several public parks that offer waterfront access along with hiking trails. Um, Hazel Morta, which I believe is a sister um, of the victim, an older sister, stated that she was not aware whether her brother ever visited the area, but she does not believe he would go hiking or swimming in the middle of the night alone, which I fully agree. And like I said, I do apologize because this is all I have on this case. And again, it just it breaks my heart. That I mean, they're not, I don't know, you guys, I just feel like they're not putting in enough effort as they should for one of their own. Um, but this is all that I have for this one. If you have any information at all, um, 
Crime Stoppers is always a good source. You could call, um, you could leave your name or you could be anonymous. It's completely up to you. But if you know anything about any of these cases, please tell someone. These podcasts I love so much because it gives people a chance to talk. The more people talk, the more information we have and the closer we are to finding these these murders. I mean, it's just, I don't know, you guys. It just it really gets to me. And so this is it for my first episode. I know I just keep rambling. I'm so glad you guys joined in. It's probably a little bumpy, but I promise everything will be better. I'm just working out my kinks and everything since it is my very first one. But I appreciate everything. And yeah, um, all the maps and photos will be posted on social media, on my Facebook, and on Instagram. Thank you guys so much for listening. I really appreciate you tuning in with me on the first episode of Makeup and Murder. Yay! Um, so I'd like to start a discussion. I want to talk to you guys and see what you thought about the episode um, and maybe talk about some of the murders and the cases. So you can find me um, on Facebook makeup and murder, um, or my personal page, Carly Jones, or you can find me on Instagram, Carly with a K or the makeup and murder podcast page. Um, but yeah, I'll see you guys in the next episode. Stay safe.